This episode of Weekly Sauce is brought to you by Hot I'm sorry, it's brought to you by Hot Sauces. For sure it's brought to you by Hot Sauce, but it's brought to you by <laughs> Chetty's Hot Sauce. Uh, visit Chetty'sHotSauce.ca and use the promo code HOTSAUCE25 for 25% off the entire site. Uh, they have the best sauce, Carolina Reaper, not Grim Reaper, like I said last week, Alex. Uh, they got lime, pineapple, mango, garlic, all kinds of hot sauce. It's really good. Um, I use it on everything, eggs, pasta, what you call it, whatever you name it, I'm throwing it on there. Um, that's chettyshotsauce.ca, hot sauce 25 for 25% off the entire site. Uh, this is Weekly Sauce episode 25, quarter century. Uh, my name is Terry Tam. As usual, I'm joined by my colleague and, co- and intern, I guess, co-host, whatever you want to call me, does everything, is Alex, the intern. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good day today. It's, well, it's, it's Veterans Day, and I'd like to, to send a shout-out to Habs Unfiltered because uh, we're, we're friendly with him with them on uh on twitter and stuff so shout out to them they're both they're all uh military dudes so that's it go out support your, get your poppies support your veterans day uh don't do it the way don cherry did last year but we are uh joined especially um very special this week very special guest sorry uh we got andrew from habs inside out uh how's it going buddy I'm going going pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's Habs eyes on the prize. Oh, I'm not I'm not on the on the uh, payroll of the Gazette just yet. Not yet, not yet. My bad. Eyes on the prize for uh, for Adam uh, for Andrew. Um, it's a, it's I think it's like the fourth week in a row, not including that one week we did the UFC, Alex, where we're talking Habs. So we're happy to have Andrew on. <laughs> I know uh, I know you and I have been. We always send each other his tweets and stuff like that. And so it's we're we're happy to have him on. Uh, it's gonna be Habs heavy, so if you're a Habs fan, enjoy. If not, enjoy the enjoy the shit talking. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to get your I wanted to get your your opinion on a few things. Uh, pick your brain. Uh, yep. So much happened this off season with the Habs. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, we actually saw some life, you know, in the from from the front office finally. Um, but the thing about the Habs fans is that they always tend to kind of oversell their team. What's your expectations of the Habs in the next five years? Pipe dream, realistic, not realistic. What is it? <laughs> okay, so we're going to do a five-year projection here. Now, I'm going to rewind it a little bit before I go into five years forward. I'm going to go about two years back. Um, we know the the previous off-season, so the off-season between uh, 1819 and 1920, um, there wasn't much change in Montreal's lineup. They, uh, they did very little changes. Uh, and if you're going to talk about expectations of the people, um, yeah, I think we saw a bit of an unrealistic expectation at the beginning of the season when people thought that Montreal would be more competitive than they were the year before with the exact same roster. Um, my prediction at the beginning of the season of 2019-20 uh, uh, is that they were going to be roughly in the same spot where they were the previous year, which is not a playoff contender. Uh, and they weren't. They're on, on the bubble, let's say, but they were not a playoff team. Um, then obviously the pandemic happened, things stopped and slowed down. The return to play was organized and Montreal got into the, um, the play-in round and then, you know, won the play-in round and got into the playoffs. Um, if it wasn't for that, you know, they would have not had that extra round or two to kind of uh, let their youngsters develop and, and kind of give them an opportunity. I think um, anyone who thought that Montreal would be different last year um, probably oversold their team, like you said. Um, 
obviously it's Montreal is very passionate fans. The fans are very passionate about their team. They love their team. They love looking into the, every detail of their team to a, the nth degree. Um, what I think perhaps they lack in general and, you know, not a fault of theirs because not everyone has the time, but it's also understanding the depth of all the other teams that they're facing. Um, you know, I, I was able, and I'm, I'm just as guilty. I'm not an expert on all the 29, 30 other teams in the NHL, but I knew that if Montreal didn't make significant changes in the off season, that there would have been some difficulties and there were those difficulties. Now in this off season, we saw some significant turnaround in the roster. Uh, they've added to Foley, they added uh, Josh Anderson, they added Jake Allen, um, who else? Um, Joel Edmondson. Edmondson. So <laughs> they, they addressed some significant problems that they had in their roster for multiple years. Um, obviously, having a, a backup behind Carey Price uh, was number one priority, and that was the first deal that Mark Bergevin did. There was no way that Carey Price can play the, the 70, practically 70 games per season and, and be expected to perform at the play, in the playoffs. That's no longer how the NHL works. You want, uh, you know, your two goalie tandem to, to kind of take, get you through the regular season to make sure your starter is fresh for the playoffs. That was addressed. Um, they addressed the the, the defense uh, that's been questionable ever since Andre Markov left. Um, you know, now they have they have Weber and Petrie nailed down, but they also got Joel Edmondson. Uh, and and it's, it seems like a much more solid um much more solid defense now with the interesting question mark being Alexander Romanov. Uh, you know, we've talked, people have talked him up quite a lot and, you know, I'll just caution people to say, Hey, he's, he's going to be a rookie. He's going to make his mistakes. He's going to have his scratches. You know, he's not going to be your top pairing defenseman right off the bat. So <laughs> back to the topic of overselling your, uh, your players, <laughs> take it easy on Romanov. We'll give him a chance to kind of grow into the role. So I think with, with the changes that Montreal made, um, there's obviously some, some momentum, something we haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, you know, several years ago, uh, the, own, the owner and president of the team, Jeff Molson, had a choice to make. Does he fire Marc Bergevin or does he allow him to go through this reset? He went through this reset, and I think we have seen a much better general manager since 2018 than we did uh, prior to that. You know, uh, Mark Bergevin started in 2012 as a rookie general manager, and at, you know had a couple of good years in there. Made some good trades, got rid of some ex- like some deadweight players, um, but then kind of somewhere around 2017, he tilted. He kind of, you know, he 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 panicked. He signed Carl uh, Alsner. He didn't sign uh, uh, Radulov. He didn't sign Markov. You know, it seems like the wheels kind of fell off. And you know that if there was a time to to change general managers, that was it. But, uh, you know, the, the owner stuck with him. And I think we were seeing now a, a Mark Bergevin 2.0 or, or 3.0 even, uh, 2.0 being the, the one that fell apart. Um, 3.0 be, um, is it now a seasoned general manager who knows the, 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 the playing field. He knows the direction that the league is going in and how, to, you know, how the play is going and everything. They always, he always seemed to be in a position where he reacted to, to, to trends rather than uh, predicted trends. Uh, and now I think we're seeing a Mark Bergevin who is much more uh, uh, trend-setting and much more confident and much more experienced. So I think the future going ahead for the Montreal Canadiens uh, is, is very bright, much brighter than it was. Uh, are they a top team in division? I wouldn't say top team, but you know, top three playoff team. I, I have very, very little concerns that they're not a playoff team at this point 
given the changes they made. So Joey Alfieri was on last week from TSN, and he told us that he sees them finishing in the top three of the division at least. Um, would that be a playoff spot? I think it could be. Uh, if you look at the other divisions, the way that everything is kind of shifting a little bit towards um, towards more of the younger teams, so I do see the Montreal Canadiens having some success. I, it's hard for me to say Stanley Cup in the next five years, so it's to me it's not a realistic um, – it's not a pipe dream either. I mean, I think the pieces are in play, and we'll ask you a few questions about some of the guys. Uh, but, yeah, I could agree with everything you said, man. And I'm, I'm not a Bergevin hater. I've never been. I think that he's done a decent job, especially since 2008, like you've mentioned. Uh, you could tell that he was on the hot seat, and I think that with with the um, the pressure that, Mol- that Molson put on him, I think he, he did an excellent job at just, you know, getting the pieces that he wanted. He put his plan in place, and he got he went out and got those pieces. Edmonston, however you pronounce it, um, it's just, it's it's a good signing. Jake Allen, it's a good signing. You know what I mean? Uh, Josh Anderson, improvement over Domi, uh, in my opinion. Uh, we got Kaken Yemin Suzuki. It's the first time we don't have a problem at center in a really long time. So um, I, I like what he's done so far. Alex? I absolutely loved his additions. Uh, I do believe that he put us in a position to succeed. Uh, he added us size, which we lacked. He added us some goal scoring depth with Toffoli. Uh, even Anderson can put pucks in the net, so which is which is a really good thing. And he added finally added us a re- a reliable backup goalie. Uh, can, the Keith Kincaid experience experiments obviously didn't work. So uh, great locker room guy though, Keith yeah, Kincaid. Great locker room guy. <laughs> His tweets after the games were unbelievable. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was the best. emoji, all emojis, right? All emojis. That was, that was hilarious. <laughs> trying that to break was, them down for the first good. couple of weeks was funny. Like I was trying to figure out. There was one was like a pencil on a paper. I was like, draw, draw, but it was I think it was drawing. <laughs> drawing. It was weird. Drawing. <laughs> yep. That was pretty good actually. Um, but you know, so, Keith, Keith Kincaid was kind of like the the top available UFA yeah. goalie last year as well. Yeah. So it's you we know, were excited it, for. Him. I mean, excited to mark- a certain extent. That was the market like, that time. Yeah. Just like Carl Alsner was the top defensive UFA when he was signed with Montreal as well. Yeah. That was the market at the time. Uh, that's Can't the, fault that's thing for not too. trying. Exactly, and that's another thing too. Is you talk about it in football, it's like you always compare what the player is going to get in terms of contract to other players. But the market determines your value, right? And if you, there's no other defenseman out there, and Carl Osner is the only guy, you're gonna have to overpay. It's just it is what it is. Um. So 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 that being said, Andrew, who do you think is the key addition this off season? Who, which of these four players we added this off season is the key? Um, the key, I think, this year uh, to start because I think Toffoli, you, you know what you're getting with him. Uh, you know, Josh Anderson's coming off uh, off surgery, but he should also be a very solid contributor. I think that the kind of the one player that's going to make or break this team is Joel Edmondson, because Montreal was so weak uh, in their in their they were missing a top four defense, like a proper top four. They had Pat Petrie, they had Weber, uh, and you know, and Sherrod kind of did well last year. I, I think that if if Joel Edmondson is you know, plays up to his contract and plays up to his, his worth, uh, then Montreal finally has a top four, two top pairings that they can absolutely rely on in terms of shutting down opponents and top lines and, you know, and, and, and opponents' second best lines. Like, every team's got more than one line nowadays, so you can't just, you know, have one defensive pairing. You need multiple defensive pairings that are capable of shutting down the best players in the league. 
so if Montreal has two excellent defensive pairings that can play, you know, up to 20 minutes, all four of them, then that's going to be a huge difference maker for Montreal. And then you're going to have your Brett Kulak, Victor Mete, uh, Alexander Romanov, like let those guys kind of play the minutes they're capable of playing, which is around like 14 minutes per, per, per game. Uh, and then you're not overstretching anyone. Uh, it kind of feels like, you know, in previous years, they were overstretching guys like Victor Mete playing 20 minutes per game. Uh, you know, Brett Kulak playing near 20 minutes per game. You know, those guys were doing the best they could, but, you know, they're not 20-minute players. And, uh, and in today's NHL, you need uh, strong defense that can stop a play, but also get the puck up the ice real fast. Uh, and with those top four, ideally and hopefully, uh, you know, Montreal has finally found the right equation. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask you like a like a subsequent question about Edmondson. So they um, on Twitter, well, right after the uh, we got Edmondson, h- hockey analysts on Twitter brought up his analytics. Which hockey analyst? What do you? Though? Is it me? No, 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 not you. <laughs> no, 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 they, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, they actually brought like analytics from a website. I forgot the website's name, but uh, they brought up analytics and what he does on the ice. And he was like, not as good, but met, but Victor Mete in that same argument was one of the best. Like, like, what do you think about those? Yeah, I'm, and, and analytics. I like analytics personally just for um, validating what I see when I watch a game. Um, But you, you, you can't you look at analytics without context as well. Um, Joel Edmondson, you know, um, he just didn't fit into Carolina's system. If you look at just his analytics from this past season, he had a bad season with Carolina. And that's because Carolina was doing a, a, a man-on-man defense style. Whereas if you look before uh, with St. Louis, he was more, uh, St. Louis was more of a zone defense team, kind of like Montreal is. Uh, I talk a lot with uh, David Saint-Louis, who's one of our uh, writers on uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. He's also a scout. He does excellent breakdown videos. Uh, and he compared, uh, the, he put out an article where he compared uh, Joel Edmondson's play with St. Louis and his play with Carolina. Uh, and and it, was, it was night and day just because he fit St. Louis's defensive system better. Uh, and St. Louis's defensive system is much more similar to Montreal's versus Carolina. So... You know, if you look at the analytics, yes, he had a bad season. But if you look at the context of it, why did he have a bad season? It's possibly because he wasn't the right fit for the system that Carolina was trying to implement. Um, and if we're lucky, you know, uh, then he can reproduce the kind of the numbers that he put up with St. Louis in terms of uh, in, in a system that suits him more. I like Joel Edmondson. I mean, I, I, especially after watching him in St. Louis. And yeah, you know, that, that can happen sometimes where, you know, a guy goes, he wins a Stanley Cup, goes to another team, gets paid, whatever it is, and at this point, he's just kind of in the shuffle, maybe loses his footing a bit. Uh, we don't really know. Uh, so maybe just the change of scenery sometimes brings them right back into the groove. Uh, when it comes to analytics, I'm kind of the same way as you. Is like, if I see the player plays well enough, and he does this specifically a certain way, and I'm not a hockey guru in any, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm far from it. Never played hockey in my life. And I... I, I see it. I'm like, okay, this guy does this well. And then if the analytics prove that, then I trust the analytics. But if the analytics tell me otherwise, I don't know what to think about the analytics. And that's why everybody throws these saber metrics and all these things out of there. But I, don't, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. These numbers go right over my head, Andrew. I mean, th- th- there's got to be nuance, right? You can't have just only eye test and yeah. ignore everything. You can't just look at stats and ignore 
watching the games. Like there's got there's a happy middle ground when you deal with analytics of of um, you know you find red flags in the numbers, but also you see stuff when you watch the game play. Uh, things that are never like things that coaches love out of defensemen, such as winning board battles, beating the forecheck, getting the puck up the ice, and how fast you get it up the ice, and how many touches you get it out out of the zone. Things like that aren't necessarily tracked by analytics either. Um, so it comes, you know, analytics are 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 good just for seeing any potential red flags, but they're not the be all end all for um, understanding what makes a certain player valuable to a coach. In football, I can under- and fo- sorry, in baseball, I can understand analytics how they can dominate your your coaching decisions, but in hockey, it, I don't think it, I don't think it works. So with. With us speaking about stats, uh, there's a player in the Habs organization that we sent to Finland, uh, which is Kotkaniemi. Um, I look at his stat sheets, and it's he has to put up his first point today, actually. Um, but I haven't watched too much of him. Is is it, like is it a concern that he's not producing much over there? Um, again, so this is where kind of analytics without context can be dangerous and, and drive uh, uh, opinion. Um, from what I understand with the team that he's on, so uh, Asad Pori, uh, they're a bad team and they're not a very deep team. Uh, they have a top line uh, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi is centering the second line. And even on the second line, you have wingers that are not necessarily uh, talented scorers. So Kotkaniemi at the age of 20 is is kind of put in a position where he's carrying his line. Now we've seen how that went in Montreal when he was carrying a, trying to carry a third, uh, third line a checking line and he didn't have much success there either. So I'm not too concerned in the terms of him not putting up points. And I think if anything, uh, it gives him valuable experience on being a centerman and what is it to be a leader on a line? Um, I think that's what he's going to take out of this experience. And when he comes back to Montreal, you know, they're going to pair him with much more talented wingers. Uh, and I think the results will be much different. I'm a yeah, huge... absolutely loved. Oh, sorry, go on. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely loved what he did during the playoffs. By the way, he was, he proved everybody wrong, and he just showed that he can be that center that we were always looking for. Mm-hmm. If anybody, he's only 20 years old too. So exa- lot, exactly, lot, long way to go. As to my point is that if anybody was looking at Kotkaniemi and trying to see like, okay, after his first, he had a great rookie year. We saw it. We loved it, right? It's what we expected from the guy. We drafted him in the first round. Uh, His second year, everybody has sophomore slumps. It happens. Things change. The speed of the game, you're still adapting. He was working on his game a lot. I mean, it happens a lot and it happens a lot more often than people realize. And, and And people hating on the kid for so long and then burying him on the line and then dropping it, burying him on the fourth line and then dropping him in in the minors, I don't know what benefit that was to him. And I think that he, the fact that they're looking at him and like, okay, go to Finland, stay loose, shake the rust off early so we can get you fresh for the season. I think that it speaks, it speaks volumes for how much they trust him and what they want to develop with him, uh, which leads to my next point. You spoke about Edmondston and the deep pairings and things like that. Uh, where do you see Norlander fitting in the halves if he makes it? Where do you, what kind of pairing uh, would you see him, would you see him uh, lining up with? What do you think of him? I like what I'm hearing of Norlander. I like some of the the things I'm I'm seeing from him. I'm I'm not watching every game. I watched a, a game or two of his uh, and some highlights along the way too. What I see is a very uh, aggressive defenseman. Uh, he loves driving the puck up the ice. He loves uh, driving to the net. He loves being kind of uh, the fourth forward in the offensive zone. Uh, and that's gonna kind of it's gonna be interesting to see whether Montreal is gonna play that kind of 
aggressive offense when he's on the team. Um, you know, we, we've, the last time we had an aggressive defenseman, um, <laughs> there was, uh, there was concern about his play and his, his reputation took a bit of a hit and, uh, and he was traded out of town. It's, it's, <laughs> it's gotta be careful with those kind of defensemen. Cause yeah. like I said, the NHL's, uh, you know, they're, they're putting together two very solid defensive pairings that can shut down opposing teams. Um, if you notice, they're not necessarily very offensively gifted. So that kind of tells me that Montreal won't be expecting the defense to drive the offense. Uh, Norlander is kind of the uh, odd man out in that formula. And if you want to look at Victor Mete, who's fantastic at getting the puck out of the zone and driving it up the ice, um, he does not contribute to the offense. He gets rid of the puck. He dumps it in. He lets the forwards do the work. So I'm thinking that Norlander is going to have a lot of learning to do when he comes to North America, especially adapting from his current style to the Montreal Canadian style. Uh, I'm not saying that he should stop doing it. I'm just saying that he should probably not try those uh, those fancy lacrosse spin moves from behind the net when he's on Montreal. <laughs> I mean, if he wants to try it, try it, but you're going to get <laughs> I, destroyed. It'd be cool, but <laughs> I don't know uh, if Cole Julian is going to like it too much. It'd be a good soundbite. It'd be a good clip we can put on Hot Sauce Sports on the Instagram account. Uh, the Habs, I mean, it's interesting, Andrew, and I, and I love you, and I love your perspective because it agrees with mine. Uh, it's probably the best. <laughs> that's why you love it. Yeah, that's why I like it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, man. I mean, it's just like I, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I say it all the time, and I don't know what to do with my tickets. Last year, I had to give out a bunch so for free. I mean, I, the Lightning, I, I say this all the time, the Lightning I gave away for free, and the St. Louis Blues I gave for free for free. So the current Stanley Cup champ and the Minnesota the Wilds. And I gave you the Minnesota Wilds for free? There you yeah. Go. So there, I gave Alex my <laughs> tickets for free, and I don't give any, any anything for free. Um, so it's just, it's, I, I, there's, there's, the it's, I'm excited. I'm excited because I know that there's there's a future there, and I think that they built the right way. The thing about Habs is they never went full reload and rebuild. They they can't do it. The the market doesn't allow it. Uh, the fact that they refuse to hire an, just an English speaking coach speaks volumes to how the media controls the team, and the media would never accept a rebuild, no matter how much they scream and they piss and moan for it. They would never accept the rebuild. Um, so I like what Bergevin's done. He's kind of secretly done a rebuild, like through the uh, through the draft and getting some nice players. And uh, I think he's done a, an excellent job, excellent job. And we've had some guys on our show, and we've been on other shows where they don't agree. And I, I think Andrew, you're on the same you're in the same page as me. Where since 2018, they were doing, he he was fine. He's been doing great. Yeah, um, and you know, there's been an opportunity to. To change the management and uh, the management has, has stayed and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of continuity and you know <laughs> what they do in Buffalo where they fire everyone every couple of years Crazy. that's not necessarily <laughs> uh, a good way of of building a, a solid foundation for a franchise my commissary and, uh, <laughs> and also looking at uh, our other prospects um well, well well with the recent comments by Stefan Waits on Caden Primo uh saying he has to play 150 well the plan is to make him play 150 games uh in laval uh, do you think that's well i personally think it's beneficial but because so far he played i believe 40 games but they want him to play 150 doesn't hurt right? uh exactly and, and and they signed jake allen as well for another two years. Um, but some people are saying that the Jake Allen signing is a um, bait for, for, for the Seattle expensive expansion drafts. Could be. How do you see this, Andrew? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, 
it's possible. I mean, they're going to have to expose someone, so might as well expose Jake Allen. Um, you know, that, they're not going to expose Carey Price. That's that's obvious. Um, it's Jake Allen is definitely there to be the backup next year, and we've seen goalies get signed to multiple year deals by Montreal, who eventually get traded out when the next best option, or if 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 he gets if he loses his job, he you know there's someone else ready to move in, then you know a trade is always possible. Um, Yes, I think he's definitely going to be exposed for for the Seattle expansion, but he's also um, you know a, a great backup for for Carey Price. Uh, and in terms of Caden uh, Primo, um, you know, very few players, let alone goalies, are NHL ready in right away, right off the bat. I was surprised that they even you know let him play some games last year. Uh, to be honest, I, I think it's very dangerous to bring up a goalie in their rookie year. Because uh, you can you can just shatter their confidence if they have one bad outing. Uh, yeah. If you look at uh, someone like who, who's blown out in their first game, uh, Foucault. Well, he never even made. Yeah, never made it. The NHL, but, yeah. There was a lot of hype around that he, because he's from Montreal. There was a lot of hype around Foucault, and uh, he was very mentally uh, unprepared for the pros. I watched a lot of, uh, of his games in in St. John's, and he would be great until he let in one goal. But then once he lets in one goal, he's going to let in a second and a third and a fourth. So I never, no, I never he, played hockey, but I was, in, I'm involved in hockey, summer hockey, and uh, and recruiting for prep schools, and it's, um, and Fucali was always, that was always the book on him. It's like, okay, he's good, he's very talented, he's got every skill that you need, but mm-hmm. he, he kind of lacked that, and 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 his, but his confidence keeps on getting shattered. And the thing is, is that when he he gets drafted a lot higher than he was expected to get drafted, and I think it was in the second round we drafted him, is that mm-hmm. people were were saying a lot lower than what he was expected because people were saying he's a first-round pick. I think the book was out on him, and to your point, right? Yeah, I, I was even at a Brampton Beast game where he in the in the ECHL where he let in the the first goal on the first shot, and you could just see the entire team just slump and going, "That's it, that's game," because <laughs> they crazy. knew they knew that right off the bat on the first shot their goalie was out of it. That's nuts. There's some guys that it's very rare where you see a guy that's able to bounce back from even a bad first, bad second, then third, shut it down. We saw Carey Price do it a lot this year, actually, where mm-hmm. he's had crazy periods to bring the team back. And um, that's what you need. For goalies, it's 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 in the head. And I think Caden Primo has it. He just needs to you know fill up his body a bit, get a yep. little bit more flexible, whatever the coaches tell him to do. Uh, like I said, I'm And Montreal shouldn't rush him. They should exactly. not rush There's him. No let, him let him play as much as he possibly can in Laval for as long as he possibly can. That's why they got Charlie Lindgren because you know Stefan Waite said it himself. Charlie Lindgren's number three, mm-hmm. you know, and that tells me that he's going to be back up in Laval, but he's also going to be the first call up if anything happens in Montreal. Right, he's a great job. Yeah. It's the second best job in the world than backup Patrick Mahomes, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for real, like you know, back, back up Russell Wilson, you'll never have to play. You just make millions and you just or Brady, or Brady, mm-hmm. or Curtis Painter for the for the Colts back in the day. I don't know if you're a football guy, Andrew. Mm-hmm. No, zero. This is all going I, right over your head. I don't know these <laughs> names. I know the teams. I, I I play, but I don't. Uh, I don't watch. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, I'll leave you on this, Alex. Do you have a question? Um, no. He no. He pretty much uh, covered everything. So I'll leave you on a few questions, just quick answers. Uh, who's going to mm-hmm. lead the team in scoring this year? Um, I think we're going to stick with uh, Brendan Gallagher for that one. Okay. Uh, how many games does Carey Price play? Depends how many games there are in the season. Um, I'm going to say he's going to play roughly uh, 65% of the games. So if it's a 40, like a 50 game season, he'll play 30. 
Okay. I think you and I are on the same page with a lot of things. Alex, you're fired. We're bringing in Andrew. You're done. <laughs> I need somebody that agrees with me, not disagrees with me all the time. <laughs> All right, Andrew, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully we can do this again. I apologize for saying you work for the Gazette. Uh, it's, a, it's an insult, and I apologize. <laughs> I, I am disgusted. I am never coming back on this show. <laughs> That's Andrew Zadarnowski from Eyes on the Prize. Uh, I'm Terry Tam. Uh, that was the Alex the Intern. Uh, again, this episode is brought to you by, week, by Chetty's Hot Sauce. Visit Chetty'sHotSauce.ca and use Hot Sauce 25 for 25% off. Um, that was it, boys. I appreciate it. Week lost, weekly sauce, episode number 25. Peace.